Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. In this episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, we put a wrap on the baseball season. We look at basketball players that are performing in the summer league and the Texas Tech coaching staff that's now been completed. With football, we look at some of the new rules that were released. A Big 12 media days coming up next week. New bowl games and the fantasy draft. The 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined as always by Michael. Hello, everybody. You know, so I had this thought the day, and I was like, I. I get on to Michael for having the same intro, but I do the exact same thing. I have the, I don't think I've wavered once in the 23 episodes of this podcast. Well, my intro is only two words and uh, I just want them to be <laughs> iconic. Um, I, I grew up listening to, to radio and Paul Harvey when I was driving the tractor during lunch. So and now you know the rest of the story and everything. So you just kind of have to establish a pattern and then everyone's going to be so impressed yeah, it, it, we're we're building a consistency. People will know what they're listening to by the sounds of our voices and the same intro we do. Yeah, I'll be trying to get a soft pretzel at the at the Jones, and someone's gonna holler out, "Hey, uh, hello, everybody!" And I'm You're gonna like, go, "Hey, yeah, he's a listener, it's me." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the 23rd episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. We kind of teased it for a couple weeks ago that this would be a special episode. Michael and I have kind of devised some 23-related items to discuss. First off, I, I think this this has to go uh, number one, top of this list of 23 lists, <laughs> is that, of course, the official beverage, uh, official soft drink, let me, let me rephrase, the official soft drink of Texas is obviously Dr. Pepper touts having 23 flavors. And I, I don't think really anything else besides... Having Dr. Pepper on our 23 list is just it's extra. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, but I don't know if I can taste all 23. I might could get four. But I had to look up what the flavors were, and I was like, I don't know what any of these are. And I, I could pull it up again. One of the flavors, I think number one, was cola. I was like, no, Cola's, you don't say. Cola's a flavor? I don't think I realized that. I didn't either. Um, and then there were some like easy ones like cherry, and then I don't know, there was a bunch of them I didn't even recognize. Well, to take to take twenty three even further with Dr Pepper, I, I saw a tweet that I I sent you a, a few days ago from the Texas State Historical Association. Oh, yeah. And this was dated the sixth of July, and their tweet said, "Today in nineteen twenty three, Dr Pepper Company was incorporated in Dallas, and it was first made in Waco in in eighteen eighty five." So Look at that. 1923, Dr. it all Pepper. comes back. Yeah, Dr. Pepper with 23 flavors incorporated in 1923, same year that 
the great institution that is Texas Tech University was established. Texas Technical College, I guess. Well, sure, sure. It's a great all-around year for... No, it probably wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking, uh, probably not. Not a good year. (laughs) Besides uh, Texas Tech and Dr. Pepper. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing... Um, because these these certain lists, these ranking lists have become, I guess, quite popular the past week or so. Well, they'll have like the 23 best things about Texas or whatever. And like the entire list is like a sentence until you get like number one <laughs> or whatever. And like, so I, I think Whataburger sent one out. It's like the 23 best items on Whataburger is like, it doesn't really matter as long as you order a Whataburger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the best the best Harry Potter films. I think sure. I saw one of those. Like, it, there's no way you could possibly rank them Goblet of Fire or whatever it was. Sure. So I was going to do something similar and just say the 23 best things about Texas Tech University is that it doesn't really, like, there's nothing else that really matters on this list besides it's not Texas A&M and it's not Texas. That's pretty good. I could go with that. That seems like more than well, 23 words, though. Sure. But there and, they, and I did use two different universities, but that uh, that A and M down there is sure kicking up a lot of dust about that stupid vet school, and <laughs> how they want to be the only ones in the state that continue to underserve the population. Right. But say that their their big thing against tech is like, well, it'll be a duplication. Well, no s idiots, you can't Every... keep up with <laughs> with what you know the state needs with what you're doing. So of course it needs to be duplicated. That's like saying. Um, Texas offers an engineering program, so A&M, you really don't need to do that. I know. That's I, dumb. I, and, and A&M was the one that uh, doubled down on getting that law school set up, too. I forgot. They yeah. supposedly, they're, they're kind of hiding behind the fact that they purchased it or took over a law school. But, hey, they got into the law school business after Tech did, and all right, that's fine. People need to be lawyers. Um, yep. People need to be vets. So... Let's look at it both both ways, fellas. Yeah. So that, that's obviously still going on. Um, what's funny is just like just back and forth between some A and M official. I, I haven't seen a response from Tech in a while, but it was was it Doctor Skuvenik said something earlier. And then I read an article today from the Texas Tribune, which was very A and M centric. It had their dean of the vet school yes. quoted. And then they had some West Texas vet basically saying he agrees with A&M's point that tech doesn't need a vet school. It's like, dude, you are a vet in rural West Texas saying that you don't need more vets. Well, he's an Aggie. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Well, because they're all going to move to College Station and then be dying to uh, move to Farwell. You know, they're, they're going to move to College Station, then then they're all going to come back to Hereford. And they're all going to come back to, uh, you know, Clovis, even though that's New Mexico. It's, I mean, it, it's, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to open more doors for people who are in that area already, probably working on ranches, who are interested in going back to school but need to work and need to keep the job they have to enable to do it. And so maybe that could... Uh, that could attract people that can't just up and pack and move eight hours away across the state. 
for nine years or however long was it how long does it take to be a vet is it, is it nine years <laughs> i have years? no idea it's either nine um, or 12 i'm not or, or maybe 14 it's, some, it's up there <laughs> yeah this is quite the uh the tangent here but i, I know that michael had a couple other oh yeah 23 lists that I'll, we should get to i'll brush on them really quick um the in, in case y'all wanted to know the number 23 at roses which is i think was started in san angelo is a tostada chicken or beef which if you've had a rose's tostada most tostadas don't seem like they're going to have that much food but a rose's tostada is just about a meal that'll that'll fill you up mom was talking the other day how she went and didn't realize that she ordered a tostada and like a taco and something else and then she got that tostada and was like good gosh this is (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a taco for breakfast or something i don't know um Another it's, 23 that's good is the Whataburger Pancake Platter, which I've never had. That's the number 23 at Whataburger. I had to get if that If you're there. going past like the number two on their menu, you're going too far. <laughs> yeah, once you get into the breakfasts, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember well, which one the jalapeno cheeseburger is, but I think that's three or four. That's, that's one of mine when I can't decide what I want. I usually just get that. So I, I, you probably remember this, everybody. I usually get the number two, unless the, the um, calendar, whatever the the limited time only, the the LTO specials are, and mine are sweet and spicy bacon burger or the buffalo chicken ranch strip, whatever. Nice. Um, if either of those two are on the menu, I'll get them. If not, I will just stick with num- number two. I have um have one other twenty third or twenty three thing I want to mention. Oh, let's hear it. And it's um, you know, this is this could get this could get heated, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say that the twenty third psalm is the best psalm. Oh yeah. That's it. End of EOD. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> because I don't know what that is, I'm gonna look it up really quickly. That's the that's um, the Lord is my shepherd. What and what? Oh, oh my gosh! Then yes, there's yeah. That's the one All you right. hear at every funeral. Yeah, I guess that's true. So last week, <laughs> sorry, I just I have no way to transition funeral <laughs> reading of Psalm. To I, the, I know I knew that would throw a wrench in things, but I kept it in there anyway. <laughs> to the Fourth of July, which we celebrated last week, Woo-hoo! Independence Day. Since that's technically, that is the name of the the holiday, and that's what we're celebrating. Not just another day on the calendar, but it's Independence Day. Yes. Of course, we had lots of those funny memes from the Queen of England and said, Happy Treason Day. Ugh. (laughs) The Queen. Um, So, really briefly, just what did you guys do for Independence Day last last week? Uh, Independence Day, as some of y'all may know, is my favorite holiday. It's up there with Christmas. Um, it's actually, I said, I don't know, Christmas, Thanksgiving and Independence Day all just kind of rotate depending on my mood, but, uh, my birthday's the third. So that's always nice to have the day off almost, you know, without question the next day. So, uh, the wife took me out on my birthday on the third, which was great. And then where'd you guys go? We, let's see, we went to, we tried beer house. Which is a uh, where the Gardskis? That's where we went for my birthday for lunch. Or really? For my, my work lunch. We went to Beer House. We just went there for a drink and and tried the onion rings and really liked them. 
set outside. The fried pickles are really good. They, too. I know we we debated back and forth on that, but we went with onion rings, and then um, we ended up at Triple J's, and then next door at the Garden. Finally got there. I hadn't been there this whole time since they've been open, and it's a it's a really cool place, and it was a really nice night to be outside. So that was a lot of fun. Um, then the next day for Independence Day. Uh, the three of us and mom loaded up in the truck and we went downtown and fought the crowds and watched the parade and had a great time. Our little one loves parades. Uh, it's only the second one she's been to because she's 18 months old, so she's not a seasoned parade goer, but she had a great time and so did we. It, it was a lot of fun. We were we were home by 10, 30 and just in time for her to have a nap and as soon as she got up, we hauled it to Wolferth for some Evie Mays, man. And we had... You were all about that, like, really good barbecue. When you go uh, out, you you go out. Man, we, we went, and it was so delicious. That I, I don't even want to say I was disappointed, but they sold out of pork ribs right as we got to the front. So then you get a beef rib. No, I, I didn't... I wasn't feeling <laughs> beef rib that day. We did a three-meat plate. We did, like, uh, sausage and brisket and pulled pork. Because yep. that's the way to do it. If... Uh, just split it. Just yeah, that's the way to do it. Two people can split a three meat plate. They you get a little bit of everything. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. You get two sides. It's twenty five bucks, which sounds crazy, but it's not because not between two people. No, because they because at first you know, I think Allison was told that, and we were kind of worried. Well, they're gonna they're probably not gonna give us as much stuff, and which is fine. But they did. I mean, they load you up with meat. They load you up with the sides you order. It's, it's definitely worth it. So and, and mom, that was kind of one of the main reasons we went was because uh, mom had never been. So we, we got to take her, and that was a lot of fun. And then we came home, and everyone but the little one was exhausted. <laughs> so Not helpful. There was a lot of couch parenting that, that afternoon. <laughs> Stop. Get out of that. Don't do that. What about y'all, man? How was y'all's fourth? It's good. We, um... We didn't do the parade. We woke up at like 8.30. We're like, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, I'm, not a, I'm not a real big parade person anyways, especially like the local small parades. Like you've seen it once. You've seen it. It's the same every year. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to fight crowds. And I haven't been to the parade since they changed routes. And I wasn't going to try to fight and figure all that out. Um, we just kind of hung around. I don't remember what we did until the afternoon. We all loaded up and went to McKenzie Park for the big uh, City of Lubbock celebration. But when we loaded up, we 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 took everything with us. If you were if you remember, or if anybody follows me on Twitter, you saw that we basically took a tailgate type party out to the park. It was beautiful. <laughs> we set up. It was a thing of beauty, man. That yeah, photo. My, my my brother-in-law smoked a brisket. Uh, he brought that out there. Um, we did our, our barbecue beans. We had creamed corn, um, potato salad, a pasta salad, which was really good, and all kinds of desserts. But, like, we had them, like, in the um, catering chafing dishes with, like, the sternos underneath and everything. And we were, like, truly uh, tailgate style. We're, like, telling people to come up and grab a plate, some randos and... No yeah. white took us up on it. I think they were too scared. But. Well, and you invited me up there too, but we were all wiped because we'd been 
We've yeah. been running since that morning, and we had bellies full of barbecue. But it I was looked trying to get so you some good. more. Yeah. I know. The brisket was good. Um, I don't know if it was the food or not, but like about 8 o'clock rolls around, we're, we're packing up all this stuff because we had like a, a pop-up tent, basically. Not a, a tent, but like a, a covering to put all the food under and just to create some shade. Um, but right around 8 o'clock, we were breaking it down to one make more room for people to come in to watch the fireworks and not be blocking everybody's sight lines. Um I was not feeling well. I was like, Samantha, I'm going to pack up this stuff and go home. Like, you can find a ride. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Probably out in the sun all day in the heat. Yeah, so I, I, I came brisket. home. Missed the big fireworks show there. Watched it, just fireworks from around the neighborhood that went on for six or seven hours. And Oh, no kidding. I, I remember, I was going to ask you, because I finally went to bed about 1130, because it started at about 830. And it went nonstop. I mean, there wasn't a lull. There was no lull in my neighborhood. It was, I, I live close to the city limits, but I'm not in, you know, I'm not in Oak Dyke West or something. I, I mean, <laughs> but I live close to the city limits of right. Lubbock, and people were just going nuts. And so for at least three solid hours, and then I was finally, I guess I got accustomed to it, and I fell asleep. But then I woke up a few times between one and two people still going so my gosh <laughs> it's loud so that was our our independence day did you play some martina mcbride or anything or no <laughs> no ray charles no america the beautiful did you did you watch the hot dog eating contest no but i know that guy won it again with like 70 something hot dogs which is ridiculous 74 on july 4th how about that for a patriotic stat that's just unbelievable. I, I can't. And then, if I tried, I could probably eat five or six hot dogs. But then, like, at that point, I'm probably skipping the bun and, like, just, I don't know. I, I've never tried to eat more than three at a time. Like, yeah. sorry, and one, like, meal. Um, well, Even there, then, like, three is kind of a lot. There was even another patriotic stat that I saw posted on Twitter that then Darren Rovell, of course, chimed in on to try to dispute but some guy looked up the nathan's hot dogs uh nutrition facts and apparently he found that there were 24 grams of carbs in each nathan's hot dog and this guy oh my gosh he ate 74 of them but guess what 74 times 24 is well it's what 1776 my friend (laughs) oh my gosh so, of course, Ravel came in and was trying to dispute that that was the incorrect number, but no one cared. It was great. Well, it's like those, those T-shirts we saw um, at the baseball games. They were, they were saying it's 100, or, sorry, 806 miles to Omaha, which was you know, 806. It's clever. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's right around 800 miles, but like, you can probably get 806 depending on where you start in Lubbock and where you end in Omaha. I thought it was kind of clever, but like, is it exactly 806? No. But like that's actually really cool. Yeah, that's a, I hadn't seen that. Well, if you just besides look, being partially incorrect, <laughs> if you just look up Lubbock to Omaha, it says eight hundred four point seven. So excuse me. Yeah, that's pretty that's, good. So speaking of baseball, kind of I, I wouldn't say sad news. I, I bittersweet. You, you know, we all went through the uh, or not we. They went through the baseball MLB draft um, right around the time that we were in the. Super regional stage, I guess. 
mm-hmm. brought right, right around the time they were going out to Omaha. Um, Texas Tech, of course, had 11 players drafted. Ten of those ended up signing with their teams. Um, the deadline to sign has come and gone. Everybody is leaving except for Caleb Killian, uh, who's only a sophomore this year, so he'll still have the that junior leverage to continue to improve his draft stock going into that. But I would probably expect him to be gone after next year. Your team next year is going to look completely different than it did this year. Yes, there's going to be a lot of a lot of shoes to fill. Cleats there, to there fill. Some... <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> there were some players that you missed out on this year for injury. Um, you know, guys like Parker McDonald and Clayton Beater, um, guys that you didn't ever see at all that will be back. Um, that'll play pretty big roles. Um, you had a couple guys transfer out, like – Ooh, what was his name? Richard Gilbert and Casey Simonick are both transferring out, but that kind of comes to the territory. Um, you'll get guys coming in that you weren't expecting or guys that had very limited roles this year will be just be like the next, you know, Cody Farhat or Grant Little or somebody like I had no idea who that was, and now he's all world. Hopefully. And, of course, you still have Josh Young. Um, people are already talking about he's going to be a top ten pick next year's draft. Wow. Not even like top ten rounds, but like top ten in the first round. Um, unbelievable, but interested to see how that team shakes out. We've got only seven or eight months until that happens. Plenty of time to cuss and discuss and chop it up. I have to get Labar back on to talk about baseball since um, he's really all, all uh, tuned into the roster, whereas I'm just like this guy is good. <laughs> and I'm even the more distilled version of that. Oh, Spencer said this guy is good. <laughs> um, really, I, I just hope that either Gabe Little figures it out. Not Gabe Little. Wow. Gabe Holt figures it out in right field, or he's moved back to second base because that was rough. That was rough. And I feel like they aimed for it. Yeah. Um, but speaking of draft, we also have the NBA draft. Um, moving right along. Zaire Smith, Zach Smith, Keenan Evans, and, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Hamilton. Tommy Hamilton all landed in the uh, the summer league. Zaire Smith has continued to do what he's, what he's done in Texas Tech. He had, what, like 16 points in a game yeah. uh, a night or two ago? Yeah, on the 7th uh, against the Lakers, he had 16 points. And that dude included, dude. That tearing it up. This is insane. Did you see the highlights? If, if I saw some of them, it was just like like he was back at Texas Tech, dude. Yeah, if you haven't seen the highlights, guys, dig them up. Um, Seth had a great post on staking the plains. Uh, I, th- I guess on Sunday, but it was, it, it, it like Spencer said, it was just it was like college Zaire Smith just dominating people. Uh, he had 16 points, and if you have a bingo card. You could check them all off because out of those 16 points, one of them included an alley-oop from out of bounds. <laughs> he had a three-pointer. Uh, this isn't a point, but it's an assist. He had a no-look pass for a dunk. And then he had a follow-up uh, or a put-back dunk that was spectacular. And then he also drove the lane and was fouled pr- pretty hard on his way up and still made the basket and got the free throw. So... He had a great game. Uh, 
I hate to report that it was followed up by a not so good game yesterday against uh, I think it was the Wizards. He only had two points. He was like one for nine on shooting. Just didn't have a good night. But um, those first two games, he averaged eleven and a half. So these this two point game will set that back a little bit. But he's he's you know really who, he's really shown. You know who he's doing better than? I do, but please tell me. Trey Young. Yes. Dude was like with, 0 for infinity from the three-point line and not since he just, started. Not just like clanging them, but just whiffing them Air too. Ball, yeah, they've been awful. Like, wow, who missed on that uh, that projection that his college game would translate? Yeah, uh, they did Everybody, not watch apparently. the second half of the – they did not watch conference play practically. Yeah, he he definitely – They turned off the tape. The they turned off the tape after you know January started. Yeah, after he tore up the, the nobody, he's like, oh my gosh, Trey Young's best ever. 30 points again. Yeah. On 46 shots. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the other thing, the other other pieces of basketball news, uh, the coaching staff has been finalized. Um, picked up a, I guess the last coach uh, was Glenn Cyprian, was pulled over from the Memphis Hustle, which is a G League team. Yep. Fun fact: as a coach at the at at Memphis, he was coaching Dusty Hannah's. Oh. Which you will remember, he was originally a a, a three point shooter at Tech, transferred to Arkansas uh, to finish out his career. But he's he's playing in the G League and he's playing for Memphis under Glenn Cyprian. Man, it all comes full circle. I guess so. So uh, the the assistant coaches, you you still got Mark Adams. Uh, Brian Berg was promoted. He was on the staff, but not as an assistant coach, been promoted. Uh, you still got Sean Sutton as the advisor to the head coach, which is an interesting position. I guess that gives him the more flexibility to to pick up and move on once he gets a, a suitable offer. But as a part of the staff, he's, you know, a steal, really. It's like Alabama hiring, you know. Um, I can't even think who who they hired. Sarkeesian or yeah, as like or a, Sarkeesian as a had some analyst <laughs> or something. Yeah, he definitely had some uh, uh, bad bad blood from USC. But yeah, I forgot who. The, yeah, they did have somebody in the booth as an analyst that was a head coach somewhere the year before. Maybe it was that guy that was at Ole Miss. I, I can't remember. But. Anyway, yeah, I see what I see what you're saying. One thing I'd like to mention about Cyprian is, uh, with the first name Glenn, he spells it with a Y, which I just really I like that. I've never seen that before, so that's my no, two cents. Either. Yeah, and he's he's been basically everywhere. He's been on like a lot of really successful basketball staffs, uh, college and professional. But he was with um, he was with was Kentucky Oklahoma for a while. Yeah, he's with Kentucky. He's with Oklahoma State when they were really good under – was it Sutton? Was he with Sutton then? I'm not sure. I don't follow – I don't follow Big 12 basketball really before I got to Tech. And I was like, who's Bobby Knight? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the kind of basketball fan I was. Like, cool, he's got 900 wins. What does that mean? <laughs> it's the fellow that throws the chairs. Yeah, that was really cool. But um, Anyway, so the the staff is complete. Um, they're still pulling in guys to fill out the roster. That I think as of a couple of days ago, that there were two or three scholarship spots left. 
Um, you've picked up two fairly big recruits, both in size and <laughs> recruiting rankings. I think they're both four-star. I know at least one is. And then you've got a international guy coming in. Uh, so you you got Kevin McCuller, who is a will be a freshman once he graduates in December, which is kind of a strange. You have a midterm graduate for basketball that will join the team after the season's already started. Mm-hmm. Also, rumors are that he may not redshirt, so he may pick up and play starting in January. <laughs> you know, the I season's mean, already two months in. That would be interesting. I, that I'm, just seems far-fetched. I, I agree, or at least not... If, if he worked his way into the starting rotation, it definitely wouldn't be immediate, I, I wouldn't think, unless he's just impresses Beard that much. But Yeah, but by that time, you're already playing conference games, so, like, yeah, he's really doing something. Yeah, you can't just... You can't come in and just, uh, you know, start a guy, go on to fog or whatever, you know. Yeah. Not even a true freshman, like, wide-eyed... Just got to campus, true freshman. <laughs> right. I know. It'd, it'd be a yeah, lot to ask. We're going to have you go play at Kansas. Thanks, yeah. man. We're going to have you start, too. Yeah. And then the other guy, uh, international guy from France, Joshua Mbala, which, as a basketball player, it's a pretty cool last name, Mbala. Yes. It's He's got Bala in the name. It's it's done. <laughs> um, like I said, I think there's still, there's at least one scholarship spot, maybe two left. Um, Beard and Co., Pulling guys in from everywhere, completely reworking and rebuilding this team. Um, interested to see how that works out. But there was um, so when Kevin McCullough committed, you know he's a highly rated, highly sought after four star guy. He did it with a video. Um, he did like an MTV crib style walkthrough of his house and had like his friends and family members wearing t-shirt and gear of the other schools he was considering mm-hmm. um actually quite a bit of discussion still going back and forth on this video and i want to get your thought on it before before i, I give you my opinion yeah i've i've kind of been in the dark on on the discussion i knew of the video and i i watched it uh i made sure to watch it a couple times before we recorded so it was kind of fresh in my mind i didn't think anything I mean, yeah, it is. It is almost four minutes, and it is basically a, an episode of MTV Cribs with some cameos by other schools that he'd considered via T-shirts and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I want to know what people are saying because I thought it was fine. I didn't think anything crazy of it. Of course, uh, I may feel slightly differently if if we weren't the guys who he picked. But I don't think it's that crazy, especially with with a four star guy who's really hyped. He's six six one eighty. I mean, he's pretty he's pretty thin uh, to be six six. But you know, when you're seventeen, eighteen years old, that's 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 their starting point. So we've seen those before after photos at, on Twitter. So I think he can he'll probably beef up a little bit while he's here. I bet it'll be 200 before he gets on campus. But anyway, I didn't think it was that crazy. Uh, there were several things I liked about it. Uh, one of the first things I noticed was there was like a zoom in on the potato salad <laughs> when we started. I respected that. I, I really I really respected that. Uh, potato salad doesn't get enough due, enough credit. And then... Um, There's but, our food talking again. Well, and 
I'm going right back into, I'm doubling down here, uh, when he goes over to the smoker to uh, talk with, I, I think that's his dad, Grilla. Who's in tech gear. Yeah, his dad's in tech gear, and then there's another guy there, too, who might be his uncle, I'm not sure, who's also wearing a tech cap. So his dad is decked out. I mean, we're talking tech cap, I think shirt, and uh, apron. The apron he was wearing, yeah. He's wearing he's a tech a apron, apron, and he's manning a smoker with, you know, like four different kinds of meat on it. I'm like, okay, this is well represented this is this is what i want to think of when i think of texas tech is a guy dressed to the nines in tech gear man in a smoker feeding a bunch of people it's that was really cool and then of course the end waving the flag around and everything the drone flying off it was (laughs) (laughs) i I was okay with it but what was what were the comments on it a lot of people were like you know this isn't this doesn't really reflect West Texas and Texas Tech and the blue collar, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. one, okay, this is probably to be expected with this level of recruit, and we're just not used to it. Yeah. And it wasn't us getting trolled in the video. So we're not used to knowing, we don't, we don't know how to react. We're like, oh, he picked us. This is so good. like we're still like we're we're still picking apart the video like oh wait a minute it was it's good for us. There's just a lot of people saying like oh, I can't believe you know this this kind of attitude is gonna have to be broken like a horse or whatever. It's like dude, okay first off he's a highly rated recruit. The better we are at recruiting, the more we're gonna deal with this, especially in this kind of age where like these kind of recruits these athletes are looking for that kind of attention. I myself I thought it was kind of cool. I mean I didn't I didn't have any problem with it. Um, I don't see why, why people are really all that upset about it besides it's just not the norm for a Texas Tech recruit. And I'm saying we're going to get more like this the yeah. better this team gets. I, I think you're right. And, you know, people also need to consider that if they're if they're worried about whatever they're worried about, it it's going to reflect poorly on his parents who are, who are – or his dad was at least an alumni here. He played linebacker. So, you know, if, if you're talking bad about the kid or whatever motivated him to make this video, then you're talking bad about fellow Tech alumni parents, So, or at least his dad. So I, that's not really a good argument to get yourself in. So I, I didn't see any big deal with it. He had fun with it. It was, you know, I kind of wish there had been more basketball highlights. <laughs> But that's there's a you know there's tons of videos with his highlights. Well, I, I liked that, how he, he just he's still recovering, right? He <laughs> broke his leg this oh, season. Oh, that's right. Well, I, well, I like how he did the slow roll, where he kind of it, it wasn't like a. I don't think he meant it as a fake out. I think he was kind of paying respect to all the teams that recruited him and that he was interested in, because he had a Kansas State shirt and a cup. There was there was Virginia Tech gear. There were a couple of Houston shirts. Uh, some Louisville Cardinal trunks and there there were a yeah. bunch of stuff and I was like I I thought well of course the tech gear too the uh, the the that fantastic apron yeah. that I, that I need so I I I think it was done you know people may not like the the not suitable for work lyrics in the in the song but the video itself was was fine so he's. He's he's fine. It'll it'll be okay. So, yeah. Just, hopefully, a, we can get used to it. You know, get used to having recruits with this kind of hype and then this kind of 
uh, budget <laughs> to throw <laughs> the video that, like that. that. Was, I mean, that's crazy. That's awesome. That was a fairly significant house yeah. he was coming out of. <laughs> it was a it was a put together video. It it took a few days to film it because you know that they probably filmed the party and stuff all in one day and then. I think he he did the announcement after that, and they filmed that later, and then the drone took off after that, and so I, that was some, and you know because you you do some filming stuff, so you know it it took some work to get all that. So, anyway, no big deal, everything's let's, great. Let's move on to football really quickly. Or I say quickly, we have the most notes in our our, our notes document on football. Besides questions, we got lots of good questions this week. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Um, football, let's start with, with more recruiting uh, since we're just kind of follow that theme from basketball. Um, we actually got a, got a question from Brian about recruiting, but uh, Texas Tech landed, what was it, like nine or ten recruits in like an 11-day span. Oh, and then gosh, it went quiet yeah. for a couple weeks, and then we picked up two more the same day. Was it yesterday? Is, yeah, or, or the Sunday. day before. Yeah, it was a couple more defensive backs. Um, this class is just slowly building, slow burn, if you will. Um, not not something that we're super excited about in terms of uh, rankings or um, you know how, how it's compared to the rest of the conference, but it's filling needs. Um, well, I do doing, have I do have those if you wanted to know that currently. Uh, Tech's recruiting class or 2019 recruiting recruiting class is fifth in the Big 12 and 32nd overall. So, uh, well, okay, that, that's better than, than what I, I remembered it being. So, I think it's these, moving up. I think these two guys, they were these three stars, Brandon Joseph and Alex Hogan. I think that bumped us up because I think Baylor was ahead of us until that, and now uh, OU is one, UT is two. TCU is three, Iowa State's four. That kind of hurts, and then it's us. That's a shocker, yeah. The first three you can kind of understand. Yeah, and then I, I guess today it was announced that um, Texas Tech is receiving a defensive line transfer from San Diego State. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was. Um, I think he was a two-star coming out of high school, but he's got a year of college under his belt now. Uh, he'll have to sit out since he didn't. He hasn't gone long enough to graduate or anything. But defensive end, I think I can't remember his name. I'm blanking on it. But he's, he's from this area. Went to San Diego State. And is coming back. So, hmm. speaking of transfer, <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Man, you are nailing um, the segues this evening. By I'm, the way, <laughs> I'm trying. I guess, or I'm just trying to make connections, which means I'm jumping all over the, our our document here. Um, this summer some. Transfer rules have been updated for NCAA football. Um, I think the biggest highlights of them are that the athlete can transfer now away from a school without first getting permission from the school. So they don't have to give notice and say, and wait for them to say, okay, you can't go to anybody on our schedule or this and this and this. They basically say, you know, they go to their, their coach or I don't know the administrator that's in charge of this, but they say, hey, I'm transferring. As long as that decision's final, then they, somebody with the school, will enter that player into a transfer database. Hmm. And supposedly they have a two-business-day window from when the athlete informs them of their intention to transfer 
to when they have to have the player in the database. And then once they're in the database, any school can then contact the player and start recruiting them. So it was kind of described as like a um, free agent waiver wire type thing. Yeah. Once they're, once they're on the, the database. I think one is benefits the student athlete a whole lot more. Um, you're not waiting on schools to make up their mind or try to convince you to stay. And it strips them of the power to say you can't go somewhere where we don't want you to go. Yeah, I, now, that always I, I, that I never still sat think, well with me, you know, to have that much power over a 19-year-old kid who made a decision two years ago. You know, it just that was always kind of kind of tough. I don't know if they still have the same uh, ability to block transfers within the conference, or if they they still can penalize the extra year of eligibility. Um, I just know that this will allow, like, say a defensive back from Iowa says, okay, I'm going to transfer. Every school has access to that database and say, hey, we need a, we need a defensive back and, you know, I've got space for a junior to come on and redshirt and then be eligible next year. I'm going to go recruit him instead of waiting for the player to reach out to schools he wants to go to or all the other stuff that they had to go through before this rule. I actually really like this rule. I like it too. And and I didn't know about it till. um, you know, we started prepping for tonight. I, I think it makes it, – it could even help the schools out a little bit. Not that that's who you want to help out, um, but well, it, I, it could it fill could help the schools that the, the player's not leaving. Yeah. So like right. Everybody else except – like, so if, say, Jet Duffy says, I'm, I want to transfer, it'll help out the 128 other schools <laughs> right. that could possibly pick him up and not Texas Tech, and that's – I'm okay with that. Because it's also better for the student, in the in the long run, right? I, it gives them more options, um, you know, especially these guys who were. Uh, I, I'm blanking on the guy's name that I think he played at Ohio State. He was a four or five star recruit, but he went to Ohio State and s- sat the bench, and he was looking to transfer, and there was talk that he. You know, Texas Tech was on his list, but Joe Burrows. Yeah, there you go. He's a quarterback. He ended up at LSU. Right, and and he was so. There's guys like that sitting on sitting on the sideline, probably one of the most recruited quarterbacks in the country, who is not going to get to play because he's you know behind some other really great talented guys. So, in his position, and in probably other positions or places of guys like that, then. It really could help them out because they would get the chance to shine a little bit and help out another team, which LSU, that's a good place to go to play quarterback, especially after this last year. I've heard people say that this new transfer rule is going to, like, while it helps the student athletes, that there's going to be a whole lot more transfers going out. Um, but they also, the NCAA also updated the red shirt rule in, in connection with it, which I think could possibly help reduce some transferring, um, which is that players can now play in up to th- up to four games without burning a red shirt. So you'll, you'll see players, um, you know, participate in four games and still be able to maintain a red shirt, whereas, you know, previously I think it was 30% or something, had some kind of percentage. And It makes a lot of sense to do that because you could get some guys in in some of these non-conference games and get them some actual playing time in an actual game 
and then still not burn a red shirt if you need them later. Um, yeah, and I don't I don't know if it has to be like, you know, you can play in four consecutive games, or it has to be the first four games, or whatever. It almost it almost seems like, you know, they can be your reserve, your backup, or whatever, fill in as needed in you know four games and still be able to redshirt, or you can have them play full time for four games. Like say, I don't know, Texas Tech, you're sitting at. Uh, two and six with four games to go. Ooh. And you're just like, you know what, Alan Bowman, it's yours, man. Go. Um, and let him play four games. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't end up helping you at the end of the season, that's fine. He actually can still count 2018 as a redshirt year, even though he's got four games worth of experience. Man, and those will probably, I can't remember what our schedule was, but they'd be four conference games. They'd be yeah, absolutely. Relatively no, big games in the scheme of things. I don't know things. if that's yeah. I don't know if that, that's how it's going to work. Or it has oh, to be of course the first not. We hope it doesn't. <laughs> no, I meant like in terms of which games. Oh, okay. You know, complain, or if it's like any games, or if like you know, you get to the last four games and you're out of contention of everything. You're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and throw all of our red shirts in and get four games worth of experience while still being able to maintain their red shirt status. Mm. Which could be really big and help kind of swing that. Um, a parody whatever back in your favor like okay we're, we're building for next year with four games to go and getting all these guys experience so as a redshirt freshman they come in 2019 they're not green you know what i mean yes yes they've 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 been out for more than 30 percent of snaps or whatever the bar was before and th- I think they're more likely to be played in bigger games if um, if you have a little bit more of a leeway with it. Yeah, or, or you can bring them in for, for bowl games and be like, you know what, all red shirts, you get to play in the bowl game. Yeah, and that's... maintain that. You know, you can do you can do non-con and and the bowl game. Yeah, that's <laughs> you true. Do whatever you want, really. Yeah. So I again I like the the transfer rule. I like this. I think it allows the teams to um, to one. It, I think it'll help limit the number of transfers you'll see because guys aren't getting playing time. You can actually give them four games. Um, I also think it'll help teams that may be out of contention and for this year be able to to build and prepare for the next season. Um, which I think just makes everybody that much better. Yep. Or can. So. Where do you want to head next? You want to talk about Big 12 Media Days, which start next week? Or you want to talk about the new bowl games that were announced? I want to talk about the bowl games because I have some I have some numbers for you. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so there were three new bowl games announced. Not like... The Tostitos, Doritos Bowl, or whatever. Um, Tostitos, Doritos, <laughs> two different. <laughs> they're not. They're not. Um, they're not sponsored games yet, but they have been approved for sponsorship, and they, there will be games added to the 2020 season of bowl games. I think there are. I think Chicago and some East Coast city have been tabbed as likely uh, hosts of these games. I think the Chicago game would actually be at Wrigley Field, which could be cool. 
Um, I'm actually a fan of football games, exhibition games being played in baseball stadiums because just it's a really neat setting. Oh my gosh! In late December. Well, yeah, that so that that would be miserable. Yeah, that could be that could be bad. Um, it it might be cool to know because they were going to have the new baseball stadium plus you know, Cowboys fan, but to see somebody play in like in the new uh, Texas Rangers stadium. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 you know, for your Astros fan, get them out there on Tropicana Field, the OJ. Well, I, I think what we should do is if those sponsorships are up for grabs, then uh, everybody just go ahead and start buying your tickets for the 23 personnel bowl. Ooh, yes, because by that time we will have enough money to buy a bowl. Yeah, and, and J- the Jones will be available. I'm, I'm sure we could, we could make a couple calls, you know. We, we will need to get Visit Lubbock involved. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to make sure that we'll have enough uh, hotel rooms for a bowl game in mid-December. <laughs> in 2020. Plan it. In 2020. Book them now. <laughs> Book them now, everybody. And they just raised taxes on hotel rooms, by the way. Sorry. Sorry, people coming into town, but y'all are going to possibly pay for a new dirt arena. They raised the taxes, I think, 2%. For, hey, we, uh, had to, we had to have somewhere to do it, do these events now that we're taking out the, uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, I'd rather text y'all than us. So, for people coming in, sorry, the the three nights that you spend in Lubbock every eighteen months is is going to cost two percent more. Oh darn! Uh, so you, you said you had some math for these new new, I do. new bowl games. Okay, all right. So you've got the total here with with these three new games that comes out to forty three bowls, which is a lot. Which is a lot of bowls, and that comes out to. 86 teams and 86 out of 129, which is how many FBS schools there are, comes out to exactly two-thirds. It's 66.67%. So there's a lot of sixes in here, which makes me nervous. That's, <laughs> you could just say 66.7. Yeah, r- repeating, of course. Um, <laughs> chance of survival. No, but there's, there's just... Way too many. I, I mean, that's that's two thirds of getting... the entire league that get to go to the quote postseason. Yeah, I think when you're looking at like most recent bowl seasons, and you've got five and seven teams participating, at that point you're probably like, okay, we probably have too many bowl games. There's no way to reduce the number of bowl games because they make a lot of money for both the teams and the sponsors and all that. I get that. But when you've got multiple five and seven teams playing, and you'll have to now, just to, statistically, you'll have to have what probably four or five, five and seven teams, maybe more than that. Because usually, when you have five, like you have five and seven teams participating, it's possible to have a six and six team not participating in a bowl game, whether it's a bowl ban or whatever it is. Um, but if you're adding six more teams to the bowl situation where anybody that makes six and six is going to be eligible, um, you would think some of those are going to have to be five and seven teams. And at that point, like, what's the point of adding sub-500 teams? Like, why are you <laughs> why are you rewarding these teams? Well, it's, it's, it's simple. It's so that, you know... Make more uh, money. I get that. Yeah, so that people, like... <laughs> so that the 23 personnel stake in the planes... Uh, Queso Bowl can... can Ooh, I like the sound of that. Uh, yeah, just Queso Bowl. That alone. 
Why isn't there a queso bowl? There's there's a sugar bowl and a peach bowl. Where's the damn queso bowl? It should all be con- connected there. But yeah, it, it it could even be like the the. So you've got like the 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 parent bowl, the Tostitos Fiesta bowl, <laughs> and then like the sub bowl, the extra bowl they're adding could be the Tostitos queso bowl. Yeah. <laughs> We played oh, in the same stadium, but like two weeks before. <laughs> I'm I'm all on board with that. Which I actually I, I do like that University of Phoenix stadium. By the way, that's a cool stadium. I can't believe they have it, but that's a cool stadium. That just be, probably because they they host they've hosted so many big games in that that arena that that building. It's just obviously that um, Oklahoma Boise State. Sorry, OU. That game was there, but the Fiesta Bowl really has been there for forever. And the Fiesta have just usually been really, really good games outside of a small handful. Yeah. Like that um, that Stanford-Oklahoma State game from like six or seven years ago, fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, I, it's, just, it's just getting so diluted. It's getting so diluted. And people would gripe about the NBA because I – I think it. I think there's 28 teams in the NBA and 16 of them get in the playoffs, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's too many." But that's that's only 57 percent, and we're sitting here at two thirds of FBS teams get to go to the postseason and get a gift yeah. basket. <sighs> okay, so next week, I, I mentioned um, Big 12 Media Days kickoff. Uh, Texas Tech will be on day one. Um, they've already tabbed the players that are going. Um, I don't remember all four of them, but I know the Travis Bruffy, JDN High, uh, Deshaun Johnson, and there's one more. Is it Dakota Allen, probably? I would imagine, but I haven't seen the list. They did a video where they like they announced it, the, the Texas Tech Athletic Department announced it, where they had like the lockers and they moved the name tabs for all four of these players next to each other, and they kind of panned across it and then dropped down and showed like, What's hanging in the locker instead of their uniforms are suits. Ah, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Um, so they they will be going to media day. Like I said, they'll be up first. We'll have a hopefully a decent recap of the Texas Tech participation in Big Twelve media days. You don't really hear much. You just get some football news in July, which is always good. Since we're already on the we're on the back half if you will, the downslope of this off season. We're 50-something days away from the season starting, which means we're two or three weeks away from fall camp starting. we got not many days left until we have football again. It's going to be here before we know it. Yep. So media days, Texas Tech will be on Monday. Um, like I said, we'll be talking about that next week. Because we have so little time left, we'll we we, we need to talk about this uh, fantasy draft we're gonna be having, Michael. Oh, uh, I'm ready. When do you want to do it? You're ready now. Yeah. Oh no, no, not now. Gosh, no. <laughs> no. So what I was thinking, and I don't know if we'll be able to manage the logistics of this because, like everything, I just throw this out there and then have to scramble to try to figure out if it'll work. Um, I think we should try to do this on the podcast, the draft on the podcast. One of the episodes we'll just devote to the draft. Okay, I'm up for that. So, um, what the plan is, if, if you if you haven't heard this yet, I think Michael and I will be doing a two man fantasy league where we draft only Big Twelve players. 
So our, our talent pool will be just Big 12. Um, so when you think about, like, you have to fill out a team of, you know, you'll have one or two quarterbacks. Uh, I think what we've done before is two or three running backs, four or five receivers, a kicker, and then a defense slash special teams. Um, so this will be an interesting fantasy league. We'll go head-to-head on this, and we'll kind of – update you all on how our teams are doing throughout the season how i will totally school michael on this and probably reject all of his trades because they're garbage trades <laughs> people make trades i just stick with you know i i stick with my guys all well, year it would probably make more sense if we had more people but like it really would make very little sense for me to trade anything to you in a no, one-on-one league just go to the waiver wire <laughs> See yeah, once so. once a, once a kid wants to transfer, look at the database and see if see if you can go recruit him before I get to him. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think we'll we'll need to set that up. Um, I don't I don't know when, probably not in the next couple of weeks, but uh, probably right there before the right, right before the season starts, so we don't lose any any interest and steam on that. Yeah, but we'll have the fantasy draft coming up. I'm excited. We need to figure out some more research. We need do more research on quarterbacks in this league not named Kyler Murray, uh, Will Greer, and what Texas Tech has. Yes. Yeah. That's about all I can tell you. <laughs> that's that's You did better than I did. Well, I, I, only, I only could talk about uh, Will Greer because, uh, idiotically, West Virginia has started a Heisman campaign for Greer, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> he may be good. He may end up having the best stats of any quarterback in the conference. But we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Big 12 will not have great quarterbacks this year. So no, being and, the best in the Big 12 may not mean much. Right, and and they could be great, but none of them are really proven yet, or not many of them are. Not many of them have even played much, so yeah, there's no telling. And think about the last Big 12 quarterback that won the Heisman. I don't really want to say his name, but... Mm. Do you think Greer is as good or better than Mayfield? No. Absolutely not. No, I don't. <laughs> not even close. Now, granted, Mayfield ran away with the Heisman race. Like, it wasn't even close. But before then, I mean, who else? What other Big 12 quarterbacks have won it? Uh, Sam Bradford won it. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. I, I don't think Greer is going to be that good because he doesn't have anybody around him to help elevate him either. Also, no. their defense uh, is going to be probably going to hurt them the same way that Tech defense hurt Mahomes because um, they just won't win enough games for Greer to be nationally relevant to be in the Heisman conversation. Well, not just that, but you know, think back, think back to where McCoy played, where Mayfield played, uh, where Bradford the other guy, played. The other guy I forgot about was um, Robert Griffin at Baylor. Oh, Baylor, yeah, that's a that's an outlier. <laughs> but he but, was a freak athlete, and everybody knew it years ahead of him winning it. But I'm I'm just thinking the fact that you know when you go to Texas or OU, you're going to get a little bit more of a of a push in the standings and in the national spotlight. So even if he deserves it towards the end of the year, there's there's going to be someone at USC or some big name school. Well, he's going to have to be going up against like 
Tua at Alabama. Oh gosh, yeah, someone in Alabama. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I can't, I can't pronounce his last name. Sorry, but Clemson. Yeah, you know that fine SEC school up in Clemson. <laughs> Alrighty, um, so I, I'm looking forward to our fantasy draft. We'll get there in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll talk about Big Twelve Media Days and what little news will come of that. Besides just being some news. Um, other, I guess, programming note really quickly. I will be out of town in two weeks, so we'll have another week off. Okay. Um, going on a camping trip with some of the young men uh, of our ward, or our church group, going to Colorado for a week. Are you sure you don't want to try to podcast from, from God's country out there? <laughs> I will not have battery or any kind of service to be talking to you from our, where we're at, so it'd be a lot of one-way so. conversation. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what. I'll just go with. That would be great. I'll just actually. meet you there. I'll put it on the. I'll put it on the uh, expense account. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Let's really quickly. Let's talk about going yard. Everybody's favorite segment. My grass. I I, I retook the yard f- from the weeds since last time we we spoke. Oh my gosh! I've reclaimed my yard. Oh man, <laughs> there's been a there's well, been a shift. There, so the weeds in the yard, not the alley. Um, I was finally able to treat the yard, the lawn itself, with a post-emergent selective herbicide. Dropping some knowledge on you folks. Because the grass was mature enough to, to withstand that kind of chemical treatment. Um, killed off every weed, and I'm, it's fantastic. The grass was not harmed at all. Super ecstatic. Um it's a proud yeah, moment. Next thing I have to do, though. Yeah, I, I, I showed Michael. We, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I've got some really gnarly weeds, fence height high in the back alley that I went and bought Roundup for. Um, I had, like, the the concentrate, so I made a, a dilution, went out there and sprayed it. I think because they're so thick and so mature, whatever you want to call them, I don't think the roundup touched him <laughs> and it's been like a week. So it like it, it should have taken effect by now. And I don't think it has. I'll have to do go you, back out there and reapply. Do you need me to lend you a garden hoe? I think you're just going to have to go, go old school on it and just knock it down. Well, the other thing is I, I took the weed eater to it first. Oh no. I was going to like cut it in half basically. So kind of like expose the plant and have it, you know, absorb some of the chemical that way. I was out there 15 minutes and maybe got like a three foot section done. I was like, "This, no, I'm not doing this." I've got a okay, I've I've got a, a brush attachment for my weed eater. Yeah, I'm gonna need to have like a brush hog and just like have a tractor out there and mow it down with that. Yeah, I've got a brush attachment that I had to use because when I was, um, well, my alley at the old house would get like that every now and then, and it would just always sneak up on me, and so I would knock it down like that, and sometimes I'd use a hoe afterwards or. And I'd round up. I did a, a mixture of things just to try to keep it from getting too crazy. And then one of the worst times I used it was uh, at my wife's rent house while we were dating. Her and her roommate had a little tiny backyard, and all these tree saplings—they just all these tree saplings grew in this yard and just covered this whole yard. So I spent like a whole afternoon there with that weed eater 
with that brush attachment because these are they're plastic blades. It's three plastic blades. Yeah, so I and it I've knocks got the, um, stuff down, man. And you got to be careful. You don't want that thing I, anywhere I've got the, near the your attachment leg. to the weed eater that is supposed to keep you from going through a whole bunch of line, and it does. It, it slows it down a little bit. Um, but they also have like the blade attachment to it, so I, I may go back and get that. Yeah, I think it'd be worth it. Eater. I think it'd be worth it. Yeah, I, right. I mowed. You'll be happy. I mowed this weekend. Um, I mowed on Saturday, and I probably won't mow again for another two weeks. So there you go. <laughs> you got to mow more often than that, man. Uh, no, it's good. We're fine. It's good. I mowed on Saturday, and I may be mowing again tomorrow. Oh, why? Why would you do that? Because the grass is growing, man. Yeah, you probably now, you probably really have to with that grass. I need I need to leave it a little longer because it is it's still. You know, while this has been like spring-like weather here, um, it's still going to be really. It's going to get warm again, and it does w- does much better if it's longer in the, in the hot weather. Hot weather, um, but it's getting to the point where, you know, five and a half, six inches tall again, and you need to, you know mow it back down to four inches and keep it in check. But I may be mowing again here in a day or two. Man, that's just that's too much work. Well, it's mowing. It's not that much work. I'm just walking. <laughs> yeah, but you're walking in the sun. Well, you do it in the evening when the sun's not so bad. I guess. <laughs> All right, let's let's get to some of the questions that you guys submitted to us this week. Last minute call for questions. You guys did not disappoint. We got five really good ones. Um, we're just gonna go chronologically from when we received them. Starting off with Coach Borsellino. Will Alan Bowman start at least one game this season? Gosh. I'm going to say with that new redshirt rule, his odds for starting at least one game went way up. I I, I hope, I kind of hope not, because that's not going to be the greatest sign. But maybe well, it, it is. It doesn't, I, I it's mean, not I a good know. sign for, for uh, Duffy and McLean Carter. Right. However, we have heard that they're, much like we heard the smoke, we heard the rumors coming out, that summer that Michael Brewer hurt his back that, you know, a couple of true freshmen were pushing and it might actually be this walk on Baker Mayfield who may be starting. I've heard the same type of rumors that, Hey, don't, don't count Alan Bowman out. Like he may be more in this comp quarterback competition than everybody's giving him credit for. Yeah. Uh, I think he might be, he's, I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll start at least one game this season. I think if he does, and I could see Cliff kind of doing the same type of thing he did his first year at Tech, where he just kind of had he had two or three guys that he just swapped in and out. You didn't really know for sure who was going to trot out. Uh, that may happen. He may not want to do it, but that may be what he's what he ends up having to do. So yes or no? What do you think? Do you think Wellman well, will start so- a game this season? He will. He will definitely play in at least one game. I. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Him starting though, I think is the question. I. I do think they're they're yes. I think he will start one game. Now, if you were to set the over under at like starts for Alan Bowman at one point five, you have to say is he going to start one or two? It's like ooh, I don't know about that. Mm. Or even at like set the line at two, so it has to be one or three. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. I do think he's got a really good shot 
like I said, especially with the new redshirt rule that he'll start one game. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the redshirt rule for my reasoning instead of like a full on implosion of of something. So yeah, okay, I think I think he'll start a game too. He'll start at least okay. one game. Speaking of implosion, next <laughs> well, yeah, question. Yeah, next one. <laughs> At Red Raider Reset 1, this guy's always got really great questions for us. Say Cliff goes 0-2 in his first games, which would include a loss to Lamar. In his first two games, rides off into the sunset. Do you guys think hiring Gibbs as an interim coach, then subsequently hiring him as a head coach, would be the better option than hiring Latrell? Let's start with that first question. He's got another question to this. Obviously, I think... Gibbs is probably going to be an, an interim coach if you were to fire Kingsbury midseason. Right, Gibbs, go to him. Gibbs would finish out the year at the very least. Because he's done that before at Houston. Um, yeah. Granted, it was a bowl game, so it was one game. But I think his experience and his age and maturity, he's going to be option one for interim if that were to happen. Is it a better option than hiring Latrell? Long term, I don't. I don't know if Gibbs's goal is to be a head coach. I th- I don't know if he wants to be a a defensive coordinator and then move back up to like a bigger team or go to the NFL or what. So I don't know if I can say it would be a better option than, than Latrell, who's already a head coach at another school. Right. That, that I'm gonna was... lean towards no. I'm gonna say Latrell would be a better option long term. I I agree, and not because. It would be easy to let Gibbs go, um, and this kind of ties into Red Raider Reset's second question. This is what makes it really difficult. Would you rather start over with another with another new defense? And the answer is absolutely no. not. No, yeah. I would not. I would not rather start over. Uh, Which is why keeping Gibbs is like, ooh, you might really want to keep him. Like even if that means, you know, promoting him to head coach just to keep him as a defensive coordinator or to keep that defense intact. Right, and I think that I might have brought this up, and I think it was silly. No, I didn't bring this up, but it might be silly anyway. What What about another option of Latrell or somebody were to come in but keep Gibbs? That could that, – that doesn't necessarily work out. I mean, I know that that's kind of a pipe dream thing where we do like Gibbs. We feel like he's done a good job with, with the guys here. He's uh, definitely made some strides. Don't want to let him go. Um, just gave him a, you know, a good pay raise for, for tech uh, assistance, not for, you know, Texas assistance or, or Texas GAs. But they, uh, he's he's got a, you know, we believe in him. Hokut believes in him. I, I just wonder if there was any, if there'd be any way someone could come in and possibly retain him, or if that would be made clear that they would have to or. Well, it's always it's always difficult when you tell an incoming coach he's got to keep somebody from the previous staff. I agree, and, and, and that I, almost I know never that. works out. No, and because they're kind of forced to, they already feel like they're they're not given free reign of what they need to do or what they want to do. Right, because this guy's a holdover from the previous staff. He doesn't. It's much more difficult for him to take control of saying, "Okay, defense, you need to listen to me," even though you've got this defensive coordinator who was here before me. Yeah, so that's so, pretty much out of the question. That's an option that won't. That won't Although, happen. I think the only way that would be possible is if you had a halfway promotion to Gibbs and saying he's the associate head coach or whatever, 
and give him a, a pretty significant pay bump, um, probably towards that like million dollar range. I don't know if he's worth that as a defensive coordinator to be pulling in a million dollars. We'll see how he does in these ten games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll see how he does. Well, and you know that's um, that's another thing. It wasn't brought up in the tweet, but what if he, you know, won eight of those ten games, or or something crazy? You know, you know what? It would what be if hard to replace an interim yeah. coach that wins eight games after you go zero and two? Then you get the coach O. You know, that's how you. <laughs> that's true. So I mean, but I don't mean that that would turn out the same way. But you know, he had success and. And garnered that into a head coaching situation for him finally, after being an interim at a couple of places. So, I I think it would definitely be on the table. I think Hokut would for sure consider it if we won seven or eight games with Gibbs, especially depending on how we won them, um, with him at the helm after going zero and two. So, uh, I, I guess if. If it came down to, you know, if the team just imploded, then I think everybody would be ready just to completely start over. But if if we're going to a decent bowl game and we end up with like an 8-5 and five record or something, I don't know if – I think people would be about keeping Gibbs. We'll we'd then, see. And then goes back to the you should have kept Ruffin McNeil and Lincoln Riley. Yeah, <laughs> which we've discussed on this before. I, I still can't believe that was not – like a more viable option because they were, I think they were just trying to clean house and get rid of all things Mike Leach. But uh, I just can't help but think how much better situation you'd be in program wise. Even if those two guys were not with the team now, had you kept McNeil and, you know, as your defensive coordinator slash head coach and Lincoln Riley as your offensive coordinator going into 2010. Yeah. I mean, Riley, odds are, would have either he would have been lured away by somebody, or you know maybe Ruffin would have retired or so. I don't know. There's all sorts of what if scenarios and to where Riley could actually be the head coach at Tech, but it's such a far gone thing now that it's kind I of. I hate Bob Stoops for retiring when he did. Oh man, he was that was so shrewd, <laughs> so smart. I, I don't know. I I do think things would be in a lot better shape now. Neither of them yeah. would probably be here now. Uh, we might have even been ready for to let one of them go at some point. You know how fandom is, but that just that's a great question. I think Gibbs could, depending on his success, could prove that he should be able to to stick around. And and who knows? Maybe Johns would. Uh, you, with if that were the case, if Cliff were gone, then that means John's calling all the plays and he's coming up with all the schemes basically, and he gets transitioned into full-on offensive coordinator, probably quarterback coach too. I mean, it could be a good team if the worst were to happen. Who knows? Ugh. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Brian's Palette question. Cleanser. <laughs> All right, so Brian uh, always comes through with great questions. He's got two of them. One of them's World Cup related, which we didn't talk about in our intro, which we debated about doing, but decided we had too much other things to talk about. First one, though, does a summer recruiting surge, uh, which he's also trying to trademark, <laughs> assuage any fears about the state of the football program? Do you want to go first? It, it does 
it does with me a little bit, and I, I think it was something that we addressed with the, uh, this current class was it just seemed like or the 2018 class, that the defensive guys, you know, we we weren't getting the guys that we felt like we should get, but we were also trying to bury that into the fact that well we we have a lot of guys coming back, and one thing I noticed about the 2019 class is that it's it's it seems like the vast majority is our defensive guys. And, you know, we got a couple of three stars just this week. So it does assuage some fears about the state of the football program for me. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I would say the initial surge of recruits didn't really do anything for me because it all seemed like they were kind of lower-tier guys that wouldn't really indicate – program building and progress in the right direction. Um, I think as a whole, if you look at the class, it does a little bit, but you know, I, there's not anybody in the class that you're just like looking at like, Oh man, he's going to, he's going to, he projects to be really good. He's going to fill this hole once Dakota Allen leaves, or we've got our, you know, our bell cow running back or, receiver or quarterback like there's just not like a guy in the class I'm like super excited about so no not yet I don't think it's assuaged any fears major fears about the program yet well not even the that quarterback with the really cool name uh Maverick McIver yeah no <laughs> all right well Brian Spencer's Spencer's fears are are not assuaged. I mean, he's got a cool name, but names aren't going to win you games. Nah, that's, man, that's going that's going on my tombstone. <laughs> that's a pretty good line. <laughs> that needs to be like our our motto now. Yeah, Dang, that was good. All right, question two: You've got ten penalty kicks and a regulation goal. How many kicks are you making against an MLS level goalie? Even though he qualified it with MLS, <laughs> I'm still going to say zero. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to make exactly zero. There's no chance. I'd be, I'd be lucky that the I kicked it to the point where he even had to touch it. Yeah, see, that's my thing. Um, because watching the World Cup with people that haven't really got into like soccer, uh, there were a couple of games that went to penalty kicks, and I was trying to explain to him at this level of soccer. And at that distance, I think it's, what, uh, 12 yards? Oh, I'm not sure. It, it's not very much. You're really close. The goal is a lot bigger than, than you think it is. Um, the goalie is essentially guessing which way you're going. So he has to get, like, on the World Cup stage, he's guessing right, and then he's just reacting high-low whether or not he can actually reach it. Um, I think my problem is I would – probably miss the goal as big as it is and how, how close you are i think i'd still miss the goal oh me too i have a tendency I, I, I try to be like i'm gonna wind up i'm gonna kick it so yes. hard and it's gonna go like way off like i have a tendency sucked. the harder i try to like roll a bowling ball or throw a baseball or kick something the the more erratic it is it just never goes where i want it to go so i'd probably i'd kick it so slow where he would just kind of he, he like would roll his eyes at me and then... <laughs> and then block it. Yeah, and then block it. But no, I don't think there's any way I could do it. And a lot of it's because 
my kicking would just be horrendous. It would just be it would just be terrible. I'd kick it over the goal. We, I'd kick it way left. I'd kick it way right. I don't know how much we uh, we rail on our our kickers for Texas Tech, and we're like we couldn't do it. Oh no, no, that's that's true. This is a little bit different, but there's no um, way I could kick a football. Yeah, so <laughs> twenty attempts between the two of us against an MLS level goalie. We're saying we're gonna go over twenty. Yeah, over twenty. All right, at Kenneth Seven Davis. This is a really good question because I don't. I have a good idea, but I want to. I want to get your your opinion on this. Who brings home the national title first, Coach Beard or Tim Tadlock, and why? Okay, all right. So I'm gonna go first. Okay, you go first because I've I've got my answer, so I already know what it is. So I'm gonna say Tadlock, that and I'm gonna say because too. he's closer. He's been there. He's been closer, um, and I think there is less. Um, there's less of a talent gap from where you are to getting to the top than where basketball is or was in getting to the top of that game. Because if you look at teams like Duke and Kentucky and Kansas, while you may win a game or two against them, um, to be consistently good enough to be competing for a national title, I think there's a bigger gap there with basketball than there is with baseball. Yeah, I. And this I just is, think that Tim, like Tadlock's, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. You're fine. I just think fine. His tenure, like he's he's been here for five or whatever years already. He's closer. Um, now I wouldn't say 2019 is the year to expect a national title uh, after you lost what you did this year, but <clears throat> I, I I I think baseball you're much closer because I think the talent level is much more level from where you are, which is a top eight program um, than it is basketball. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all those reasons. I'd also add in the fact that Tech baseball has been on the national stage for the last five, maybe six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not that I know anything about baseball recruiting, but I know that that affects that. And that really helps when Texas Tech comes calling to these good players. So I think they can reload a roster uh, you, you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm not expecting with as many, which is with as much talent as they lost to the draft this year. I'm not expecting huge things from the team next year, but I don't expect them to not compete for at least a regional, probably a super regional. You know, I I I still expect those things, and that's because Tadlock has gotten Tech to that point. So. Mainly just because he's, like you said, because he's been here longer and because I feel like we can kind of replenish rosters a little bit easier right now mm-hmm. on the baseball side of things. Um, this is not a knock on Beard. The man's only been here two years. He's been incredible. Uh, his recruiting but has he... been incredible, too, and he had a one-and-done, which is the first time ever. But, you know, you look at who he lost this year. He lost Zach Smith, Keenan Evans. And of course, Zaire Smith, which are three really big pieces of of a twelve man team to lose, or or fifteen, I guess they keep on on the roster. But uh, you know, and they they did well in the tournament, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, I mean, we may be heading that way, but I, I would have to pick Tadlock in this scenario. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you look at the teams that are competing for 
national titles in basketball. They're loaded with one-and-done type guys, five-star recruits. I'm not saying that Beard would need a roster full of five-star guys to do it. Right. I think he's a really talented coach, and he can get a lot out of his players. But those are the teams that you're going to be going up against. There's McDonald All-Americans all across the bench. So until you get there, I think we're we're still going to be – uh, we're, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be building towards that. But I think baseball is just closer at this time. I think so, too. All right. And we got a celebrity question. Final one, which apparently you're friends with, with Mr. Chad Hasty. Yeah. I <laughs> am. Is, just kind of blows me away. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so he chimes in. He asks a question. Had a friend from Canada stay with us this week. Found out that good queso has not made it that far north. How can we help the Canadians with this national emergency? Oh, man. Great question, Chad. It's It needs to be addressed. And while researching for this question, I realized that, and, my, and I suspected that this was the case, that Rotel, I don't even think you can get it in Canada. So even to make the most basic of quesos, you, you can't get Rotel at the store, which doesn't surprise me too much because... My mother-in-law lives in Florida, and she can't get it either. So it is pretty regional. Um, so I, my thought is we need to get some boots on the ground, um, possibly some Mounties, some Mounties on patrol, <laughs> to to spread the word, maybe maybe find some, some guys who can smuggle some Rotel across the, the border. Uh, I think they have Velveeta up there. I'm pretty sure they do. And maybe just kind of some commercials and some awareness of uh, of queso and the joy it brings. Um, I, I know that they've got breakfast sausage up there, so the most basic queso recipe that I go go for is can of Rotel, pound of Velveeta, and then half a pound of spicy uh, breakfast sausage. So if we could just get those three ingredients just plastered everywhere. We could start. We could start taking it over, and then maybe in turn, because of our goodwill, they could spread the love of poutine all the way down here to Texas. Because mm, man, that needs to be that. in more places. Oh, it's so good. That. It's good. Some cheese curds, some gravy, some fries. Just pile it on. That. <laughs> you gotta try it. You gotta try it. It's so good. Oh, and while I was looking at this too. Um, I noticed that there's even a Facebook group called Bring Rotel to Canada, and it's got 500 no people. No way. Yeah, there's 500 people that like it. And they've been posting recently. They did like, here's a That's recipe nuts. for queso monkey bread that they posted on July what? 3rd. <laughs> and uh, there's another one. Let's see, what do they have? Has anyone put Rotel on their poutine? <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I need to like this page just so I can. Th- this is this is a good suggestion, Chad. We need to go to the Bring Rotel to Canada Facebook page and just start start spreading online awareness. We can we can do some online activism. <laughs> I think it might just take getting some decent queso up there, introducing them. It's like, okay, this is now on you to spread to your land. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm talking like the most basic, you know, Velveeta and, and a can of Rotel. And if you want to get quote-unquote fancy, add some breakfast sausage. That's it. That's all you need to do. And then as you get more seasoned, you can experiment with milk or cream or fresh 
peppers or, you know, bacon grease or whatever else you want to add to it. You know, there's all sorts of different ways to, to do it, but we just got to get the basics. Got to get the basics out there. Duck and cover. <laughs> we need we need a duck and cover sort of uh, propaganda film to uh, to highlight how important it is to stock up on Rotel from south of the border. So I think that this is what we learned this week is that uh, <laughs> Canada needs good queso. Canada, yeah, Canada needs good queso, and, and then possibly a Rotel. Group about yeah, about bringing Rotel up to Canada. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I know. I'm actually gonna. Uh, I have it open on my computer, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna get, go ahead and hit like before I forget. I'll keep y'all up to date on uh, on on how the fight is going. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's. <laughs> I, I I can't believe they have a Facebook group devoted to this, but I'm gonna be the five hundred first like. I feel like I'm kind of ruining it. I feel like oh, I shouldn't. You're... I shouldn't be that guy, but I'm going to got exactly 500 and then some texan likes it and they're gonna go ah oh oh hey hey <laughs> oh i can't <laughs> i don't even know i don't even know like, either hey what are you what are you doing there <laughs> hey hoser oh this is great man <laughs> june 30th happy canada day weekend what are y'all doing any special plans any rotel involved <laughs> <laughs> I think these guys like Rotel more than we do. <laughs> I think it's because we're we're used to having. It's not like there's no shortage here. May nineteenth. I'm sure, if there was, we may be like, oh no. Uh, on, on okay, apparently in Canada, May nineteenth was a a long weekend. It was Happy Victoria Day, <laughs> and they ask, "Are you camping? Staying home? Making queso?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. These are our people. You need, you need to like this page. Yeah, I'm going to invite you to. Yeah, I will like this page as well. I'll keep up with their their struggle to get some Rotel. I'm, I'm sending this invite to you and to Chad. Very nice. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for the questions. Um, we will be back next week to talk about Big 12 Media Days. I don't know if there will be other news. I, I certainly don't think there will be any baseball news because I think the last thing we were waiting on was – uh, draft updates, basketball, I guess, will continue to follow Zaire Smith and other Texas Tech greats in their, the summer league. Um, Michael, you got any parting shots of wisdom? Uh, I, I have one tiny one. I don't know if that's one. actual, like a phrase, if I just mixed a couple, but... I have one tiny good. one. At, at Evie Mays over the weekend, happened to have a conversation with a guy who ended up being... A Traeger salesman at Costco who what? who participates in barbecuing competitions, and he met uh, Arnis, the the guy who started Evie Mays, at Costco one day, and he told him, "You need to come out to my restaurant." Anyway, long story short, we sat next to him. He gave me some brisket tips, and I made the best brisket I've ever made this Saturday. And one of the oh, you mean tips to cooking a brisket? Yes. <laughs> For some reason, no, no. Really, like, you mean burnt ends? Yeah, like, why just, are you calling it brisket? He tips? just had some brisket tips and just uh, <laughs> tossed them my Sorry. way. No, that, that's I should have I should have clarified a little bit. No, um, the 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 big tip that he gave me was to when you trim the brisket before you season it and everything, use some of that fat, render it, and then. Um, 
practically like glaze or brush it on the meat side of your brisket before you season it. And I think that made a big difference. So anyway, that was one thing that I learned this week. That is my parting shot of brisket tip wisdom. Speaking of, of Traeger, this is something I learned. I learned today. Um, my neighbor across the street who, um, they're like really quick in and out of their garage. Dude's got a Traeger in his garage. It's like, man, got like world-class smokers across the street. And I'm just, don't even know it. Got to bring that, got to bring that thing out. That baby's got to see the sun. It's got to breathe. It's got to breathe a little bit. It's going to, it's going to get all stuffy. Got to get some dirt on it. I get some smoke on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for a long episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We will see you next week. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.